Hola, I'm Elias Torres, co-founder and CTO of Drift. You are listening to the American Dream Podcast. Did you know that Drift is part of just 2% of VC-backed startups led by Latin American founders? Well, I'm on a mission to change that. On this show, you will hear from leaders who have achieved their own version of the American Dream. We'll talk about what the process looked like to get there, the obstacles they faced along the way, and the work we still have to do to build a new face of a diverse corporate America. Bienvenidos a todos. Uh, today we have Cuco Vega on the podcast. Cuco uh, is the co-founder and CTO of Bexi, a simple tool that helps small businesses create and launch landing page social campaign in minutes. Cuco has experience both in engineering and product design. And while he was born in the United States, Cuco spent most of his childhood in Mexico. Cuco, thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me, Elias. Pretty excited. Yeah, no, I, I, it, um, it's fascinating. It's really a, a joy to, to meet fellow entrepreneurs and learning about their journey. And what I'm trying to do here on the podcast, on the American Dream podcast, is, is highlight other stories of Latinos, of underrepresented people and their journeys. And I think there's a lot of similarity between your journey and mine. And, and so I want to talk about that, right? I think the, the one short way of describing you is that you are an engineer working in big tech in the U.S. that have made the big jump into becoming your own boss, become an entrepreneur, and, 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 and start a company. Two major moments in there, right? One is achieving a job at, at a great tech company, and the other one is making a jump to entrepreneur. Let's talk about it. Was that easy? Was that overnight? Uh, was it no problem? Tell me about that. It was definitely not easy, um, to be honest, because before this, before this made, you know, before I made this jump into working for a big tech company, right? I pretty much spent three or four years just jumping between small gigs at agencies, working for startups, freelancing, at the same time going to grad school, because I was actually transitioning my, on my career from being an engineer, which was my, my first background, towards becoming a designer, which was my, my real passion, right? And it, it, was, it was hard, but it, not just because of you know, the industry and how competitive it is and all that. But for me, there was a lot of things that took me a little bit to understand, culturally especially, right? So just to give you a, a, an example, when I first moved back to the Bay Area after going to college in Mexico and working in Mexico for a little bit, the the whole, you know, business culture is different over there. So I remember my first job interviews for a web designer role and I would go to the interviews wearing a suit because in Mexico, even if you're interviewing for, you know, a janitor position or whatever, you always have to be very well dressed for, for an interview. Right. So now that I think about it, I'm like, these people probably look at me and just laugh hard about, you know, like what this guy doing here. So it took me a while to start getting a lot of things about how the, the culture here was a little different. But then I think that once I got it, I pretty quickly understood how to how to jump from gig to gig to focus on what I wanted to learn. Right. So yeah, that, that was pretty much how I did it. Do you think that you should have just gone straight to Citrix? Is there a reason why you just couldn't go straight there? Well, there's two things. To be honest, the first part, and this is probably something that a lot 
a lot of people have is I wasn't sure or I I didn't think I was ready to just apply for big companies. There were the, so on one side it was I was doubtful of myself and in on the other side I knew that even though I was a very creative person and and I had a very good eye for design and all that I knew that I wasn't ready or I wasn't at least at the level where I wanted to be as a designer to now go to a big company and start this, right? But there's also, for me, there's also a bigger lesson of also um, how important community and networking is. Because the main reason why I joined Citrix is because my now co-founder, which we met in 2008 at my first uh, job in the Bay Area, we worked together and we stayed working together uh, at different gigs, right? Like when I was freelancing. And then he's the one who tells me, hey, we're looking for a senior designer. Are you ready? And I, at that point, I was like, you know what? I, I feel like now I finally am ready. And that's how it, it pretty much happened, right? So I, I do think that there was a process, but it's also always very important, you know, that, that networking part and that uh, community, right, to, to help you take those steps. I think I think that's a fantastic case study in this dilemma that that the Latinos um, that we get stuck, right? That we we feel you know people talk about is the imposter syndrome. You you don't think mm-hmm. you're good enough for a company like Citrix, right? Given the experience that you have now, that you were you worked at Citrix, when people that started at Citrix, were there any were they any better or more experienced than you were at that same exact time in their careers? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, definitely. I don't think so. And you know, you know what's really funny? I remember at my first, at my very first job, I was working at a biotech company, a biorad. And I remember the first week when I got there and they would just, I was, I was just a contractor for like a six month contract because they were about to launch a new website. So they literally would just give me like a daily list of tasks and I would just like tackle them. like boom. And I remember it was like, lunchtime and I was already done and I would look around and I was like wait what are these people doing what does it take for them to do this all day and I have nothing to do now and I would go to the manager and ask him for more work which later you know my now co-founder Rafa told me like dude you gotta chill out a little bit you're not doing that you know not because it's bad but people people around are starting to to get pissed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you make him look bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not even, you know? So I don't know, dude. I think I think there's a lot of also cultural differences in, in that aspect. But no, when I joined when I joined Citrix, I didn't feel at all like I was less talented or less capable than than any of, of my teammates. And no, hold on, hold on. you did feel less when you were before you applied. Before well, before, yes, because I didn't but I, but that's because I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't yet as good as I wanted to be, right? right and right. and this but is, saying, but that that's the problem that holds us yeah. back from taking chances, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're right. This, this is the point that I'm trying to make for for people listening yeah. to this. Right? Is yeah. that here we were, you and I, feeling the same exact thing when I applied to to IBM. My first job was IBM. And so you had to go through more steps and spend three to four years at agencies before you get a job at a big company. 
because mm -hmm. you thought you were not ready. But the truth is that we're just the same, right? Yeah. And in fact, yeah. your point is that we bring other things. You know, somebody that has been privileged and grew up here might not have the hustle that you had that when you were given tasks, you're like, I'm going to crank through this because my parents told me that if I don't do this, I'm not going to survive and I have to work twice as hard. That's the yeah. advantage of diversity, right? Different perspectives, different hustle, different values, different energy, different personalities, yeah. right? That's what makes us different. And, and yeah. so uh, now that you've been there, you're like, hey, I was, as, I was just as prepared to apply on the first day that I graduated, right? Um, to, to do what I did. In fact, you were going to school to do, learn something else. So you were actually prepared, preparing yourself even better yeah. for that first job there. So fantastic, fantastic. How was it working at Citrix? Was it tough being a Latino in Citrix? You know, it was, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like an asshole here, but it was, a, it was great because my team was pretty much, this was 2011, but we were already remote. We had our base in San Francisco, offices in San Francisco, but we were pretty much working from home all day. So I would either work from my place or I would go to Rafa's place, my co-founder, and we would work from there or we would go to a coffee shop or whatever. And to be honest, uh, now that I think about it, it was, a, it was an advantage, personal advantage, right? But at the same time, it was not it didn't give us the opportunity to also connect wider with people in the company because we were living in our own fantasy world where we do our job, whatever we have our review calls and we present our, our, our work and that's it. But I don't think it gave us the opportunity to grow or to connect with other departments outside of marketing communications, which is where we were until later when things changed a little bit, um, new leadership came to the company, we actually had to go back and start going to the offices at least every now and then. And that's when I started meeting more people. And I actually got to see that there were also Latinos there, right? Which, you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I left an opportunity to, to grow and connect with other people, right? For, you know, with other, from other departments and stuff. Um, but at the very end of that period, we did get involved pretty much with everyone from uh, product, engineering, marketing, and, and management. Right? And that's when I actually started looking at all the different opportunities, right? And that's when the idea for us to create our own business came. That's amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how, how many years did you do at Citrix? And how did you come up with that? By the way, I'm, I'm you know, your business, I'm... Very familiar with. I I built, I I've built landing pages in. It's almost my fourth company doing that, right? So, uh, yeah. very very familiar with the space. Love it. How how many years and how did you come up with the idea? I was into tricks for three and a half years, and the idea came out. I think from anger, from being really pissed at something that happened. Uh, we had been working for for I would say about over a year, like a year and a half on this huge project. So Citrix had just acquired a bunch of smaller companies that were building online products. One of those products was GoToMeeting, which back in the day was in the top three of video conferencing tools, right? 
and some other tools that were part of these other same companies, right? So the challenge for us was we had to put together all those different tools with completely different brands, messaging, functionality, product, everything, right? And for a year and a half, we worked together with every single other team, right? Product, design, marketing, engineering. And we pretty much build everything under one suite, right? The online suite. So when we're about to present, then there's a leadership change. And like, you know, most companies where when there's that kind of change, these people bring their own people. Or at least they want to make sure that they leave a stamp like, you know, everyone needs to know that the moment I got here, I changed things and I improved stuff and you know so these new guys tell us oh you know what yeah what you did is you know thanks for what you did whatever but we're gonna bring an outside agency to actually take over so we're like take over what like we were ready to launch right so then they bring they bring frog design which is like a a top agency worldwide right i mean i do and 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 i have been an admirer of course of you know, the work and everything, but they bring this team and then this team looks at everything that we did and then they just kind of message it a little bit, right? And change it, a few things here, a few things there. And then the moment that was for us, like, you know, that aha moment was in the final presentation when they're showing the campaign and all the different touch points and everything. And we literally saw some of the the work that we did presented exactly the way we created it, exactly the same strategy, the same design, everything. So Rafa and I look at each other and we're like, dude, that's our work. Like we could be doing this thing and charging over a million dollars like these guys, right? So so that was a that was a moment where we realized that the kind of work that we were doing and the experience that we had you know, that we were ready to start our own thing. Plus, to be honest, I always wanted to start my own business. I think that's just because growing up, that's how I saw my parents. And that's how I, the reason why I also love, you know, the the name of your podcast is because I feel like every time that I talk about my experience, it's like, I'm really, this experience is really like the, the continuation of my parents' American dream, you know? Yeah. Um, and so for me, starting my own business had always been an ideal, right? And when I when we saw that opportunity, we were like, let's start. We're ready. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's, that's a really fun, great recollection, right, of, of, of how things happen. And I think that's something for people to hear here, to pay attention, because you were able to combine your work and your passion at a moment where you saw, I, I think that that's a really good technique, right? is go look at your work that you do and see what's the gap between mm -hmm. you and the people that are making money from the same work. It's a, if it's an agency, yeah. if it's a consultancy, if it's a software as a service product, if it is, you know, um, whatever it is, right? It's be able to see what others are doing with the same thing that you're doing. And, and, and that's the gap that we all have, right? It's like, it's like, oh, if I make it just slightly better, I can go from charging $100 to charging a million dollars. And sometimes the difference is minimal, but it's the people that have the boldness, right? And, and the courage to go and ask for that. And so it's like, I when agree. you saw that, right? You were like, 
I can do the same. So that that was, I mean, that's exactly what happened to me at HubSpot, right? It's like at HubSpot, I saw Brian and Darmesh, amazing founders, and they and they and they launched this company and it's worth a billion a billion dollars, right? And yeah. we're like, wow, we did a whole bunch of the work here. And yeah. they're the ones who it's like it's our work there. So exactly the same thing. So David and I said, let's go. We're gonna go start our own and we're gonna make our own company go to a billion dollars. And it's that drive, that chip on the shoulder of an immigrant that says, I see them doing it. They're just humans like me. And oh. I know how much I did here. I might be missing something. Well, let me go figure it out. Right. And and, yeah. and so it's, it's the right combination of experience, right? That you build yeah. up in your agency days and the three years that you spend at Citrix. Exactly. And so sometimes we got to do it early. We just got to find the right time that works for us, right? Where we have the right confidence. Um, oh, yeah. unbelievable. I love it. Love it. And so then you go and you say, good with this, guys. We're going to go charge a lot. And um, did you get bootstrap? Did you get funding? <laughs> Tell me a little about that other jump. Big jump, right? Yes. Everybody so, right now is wondering, like, how do I start my own company? Yeah. Yeah. For us, it was definitely at that moment, we, I mean, I, we both, you know, both Rafa and I had a little bit of experience of working at startups, but working at a startup doesn't necessarily give you the, the knowledge to actually start yours. Right. So when we, when we first started, we started as a digital marketing agency. We were not even thinking about building a product or being a startup or raising money or anything. So what the first thing we did was, okay, we need to start getting clients. In order to get clients, we need to have some uh, work to show, right? So we started doing some pro bono work while we were still at Citrix. So we started doing some pro bono work. And then once we had a good portfolio, we started reaching out to potential clients. Pretty much we started looking at our Rolodex from you know companies that we worked at before and people that we worked with before. And that's how we started. We started telling our colleagues and 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 people that we knew, and that's uh, that's how we got our first clients, right? Once we the transition from you know having a full time job to now being one hundred percent on the business was kind of step by step, right? Like for example, I was the first one to jump in one hundred percent once we had enough work. So I was the first one to quit my job because I was you know the only the single one with no kids and no mortgage. So I jumped in first. And then a few months later, Rafa also joined in. Um, and we ran for like a year and a half. We ran like, like a traditional agency until we saw the opportunity, right? The, the, the moment of truth, I think, was uh, in a call with a potential client. And this guy was probably one of the hardest calls that we ever had. He did not become a client, but he pretty much left this little um, seed in our heads, right? That that just started growing and growing. And what I remember is after we presented, you know, our capabilities deck and we show him this is what we've been doing, you know, some success stories and this is what we can do for you and everything. And then at the end, the guy's like, okay, so how do I know that's gonna be effective? How do I know that? Your beautiful work is going to work. Like, yeah, that, that looks great. But how do you measure ROI on what do you do? Like, because I'm not going to be spending money just to have a new website and a new brand and campaigns and stuff if I don't know what am I going to get. 
And both Rafa and I were like, I don't know. And it's and it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting because it's still today a challenge for things like marketing and design and strategy to really put an ROI on it. And I'm sure you guys <laughs> deal with it constantly, right? And 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 that's and that's what a lot of companies in our industry are still trying to figure out. And some of them try to do it with data, and some of them try to do it with AI, and some of them, you know. But for us, that was like the first moment that we were like, shit, that's true. Like, how do we, how can we make this more effective? How can we connect this with results? How can we? So the first thing we thought was, okay, can we use technology to do that? Can we build something that can do that? And from there, then we started, you know, just every single, every single afternoon, we would just, spend two or three hours just trying to figure out how we could build something that would solve that, right? And it went through different phases because the first, before we started pivoting, the first idea for a product was, okay, we need to make a platform that allows the client to see exactly what we're creating for them and then what's going to be the outcomes and, and, and then what are the expected results, right? Right, still not actual ROI, but something like that, right? And then as we started building it, and we, as we, yeah, I mean, I, we, it, it's kind of hard, right? And this is what we learned at the same time that we were not gonna hit, you know, the nail on the head like right away. But it never stopped you from trying, and that's the key, right? That people need to know that it takes time and iteration. And and I love what oh, you did. The customer was teaching you a ton. Right? It's like you were listening to them. Even if they were not going to become a customer, you can always learn from them. At Drift, yeah. we say, like, we got to put the customer at the center of everything that we do. Yeah. And, and, and you were doing that. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, trust me. I mean, ROI discussions all the time. And yeah. it's like, how does the customer <laughs> believe? And we have a mm -hmm. lot of data at Drift, right? Um, I have a friend of mine that I'm an investor in his company called Clavio. And um, it's a it's an email nurturing campaign for Shopify for for e-commerce, and and he had done a really good job of showing ROI because he goes, he would send emails to people that abandoned their carts at the, at a Shopify website, mm -hmm. and so he would send an email and he could track when they clicked on the email, and then he knows yeah. that email address how much did they buy later on, so he could tell you how much money was being purchased. Yeah, from their emails that they sent automatically with no effort all the time. Yeah. Right? And so that is like, I was like, that's such a beautiful ROI, right? Yes. And, I, and what I think about it, I mean, when I think about it, I, th I think it's, it's about not trying to figure the ROI of like the bigger picture. You can start with small things like that, right? What's the ROI on following up on someone who you were probably going to lose as a customer. Exactly. Right. Um, so starting from small, tiny things. Right. And I think that that was also one of our, our first lessons. Uh, our first prototype was this Frankenstein thing that tried to do so many things that it wasn't doing anything relevant. Yeah. Right. It would try to do a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't really solving anything. Right. That's a fantastic entrepreneur lesson, right? It's like focus on one thing, do one thing really well, right? I mean, you still have to do a whole bunch of crap. It just never ends. 
But yeah. um, I, I've been there, right? And uh, when I read your description, right, it was like, well done, right? I can see the maturity at the stage that you are as a startup to say, we do just create, you know, landing page for social campaigns, not just landing pages, because landing pages for everything could be a lot. I, I ran into a company, by the way, give you some ideas, right? It, it's like, maybe you already thought of this. Do, there's a company that's creating landing page for TikTok influencers, right? Mm. And so it creates a page specifically for them to put on their link, on, on, the, on, their, on their profiles that has the links designed for them to charge, to sell, to a shop, to sell items, you know, to achieve something. Yeah. So they, they even, you know, there's always like, always you can start with the niche and then expand. And that lets yeah. you know if you have traction, if you have product market fit. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Just this morning, um, as I was as I was doing a a, a demo of a product with um, with a potential user, uh, we we jump into a little bump because this company does mortgages, and the way that most advertising platforms nowadays treat specific type of companies like mortgages and other financial services, real estate, and stuff doesn't allow them to do the same kind of targeting that other industries can do. And right after the call, I was thinking, why are there not already tools that are specific for super regulated industries? Because there's a lot of them from biotech and life sciences to financial services to, I don't know, gambling. There's a lot of them, right? But yeah, yeah like, like you said, there's always, and I think little, little by little, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go from these big tech companies that were doing massive stuff to the companies that are solving very, very specific problems. To wrap it up, I think there's something that I love what you said, right? Is that yeah. about the American dream and your parents, right? And, and, yeah. and that you're extending that it's like, um, yeah, I, I've been talking about the American, my American dream, but it's really my mother's too. Right. And actually in my case is my grandmother who came to the United States. She crossed oh, the wow. Rio, Rio Grande in 75. And because of her, my mother could come. And because my mother could come, I came. Yeah. And, and so we, we are living a dream that started with, with her, my, my abuelita. And so tell me a little bit about your mission so to, to close yeah. up and, and how it connects to your parents, right? And what they taught you. Um, well, I think one of, you know, one of the things that I, that I got from my parents was definitely, I, like for me, it's always been like the bar, you know, that they, the bar that they left it, right. It's kind of high already from coming here, super young, no papers, no language, nothing. Right. And then work here, start their own business, move back to Mexico because they wanted, you know, my siblings and I to grow with their culture and all that stuff. So for me, the bar was already high and I've always in inside of my head, I always have this thing that tells me you have to do at least a little higher, right? If they already put you right here, if they already gave you an education and already, you know, gave you all the tools right. and I mean, being honest, right, and, and just recognizing privilege, like just the fact that I could come here, you know, with papers and, and, and everything, right. it did give me a lot of advantages that most Latinos don't have here, right? It's something yeah. Like, and, and, and I do think that that always makes me feel like, like I have to do more. Like I have to 
reach higher than what they build and what they what they have reached so far, right? So number number one, that right. Number two, for me, the moment that I moved back to the Bay Area, it was very clear to me that my life was always going to be split between Mexico and the U.S. Right? I mean, before technically already was culturally, most of my family is actually in the U.S. But for me, the moment that we start our business, it was also like, this is a good opportunity for me to connect back to the place where I grew up and the place where I started my career, right, which was Guadalajara. And it started at a very interesting point as well, because when we, you know, it had, I had been already here for about eight years. So I was completely disconnected from what was happening over there in the startup community that when I left, it was just non-existent, right? And it was a huge surprise for me that now a lot of the people that I went to school with or that I worked with had startups or were working at startups. And I'm like, wait, there are startups here. What is happening? So it was it was a, a very, a very, yeah. very interesting um, you know, way to reconnect, right? And now that's pretty much how our business runs, right? We have an office in Guadalajara, we have another office in La Paz. Uh, in Baja Sur, and we have a team in the Bay Area, right? So I get to go back and forth, right, uh, all the time between Mexico and, and, and the Bay. And and it's great. And it's that's great. It has worked for the business and it has worked for me personally. That's 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 an amazing, you know, and so one of those startups in Guadalajara is called Drift. You should check it out. I know. Yeah. It wasn't. I know. Mm-hmm. I know you guys. I know you guys just opened operations there. So how how, how are you liking it? Uh, well, we, we just started remote. Uh, we have hired, you know, several engineers and a leader, uh, Cesar Soto from from Rappi. He was a VP of engineering. So mm. really excited. And we're trying to plan our first visit where we either they come here, a lot of them, or we go there yeah. like a group, group of us. Re- really excited. And, and during my interviews there, I, I find and I and I enjoy talking to to Mexican engineers and they're like, I'm so I'm so psyched for them that they're able to work from there and stay with their family and their culture, uh, and and not have to come here because it's rough being an immigrant here, right? It's it's rough being away from yeah. everything, and so yeah. I, I I know the feeling, and I, I wish I could have done that with my country, but we'll see how this is. To me, opening Guadalajara is, is the is the beginning of me giving back. Thank you so much, Pico. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Thank you for the time and your story. It's it's very inspirational. No, thank you. Thank you, Elias. And and, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the American Dream Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss when a new episode drops. If you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about my American Dream mission, subscribe to my newsletter linked in the show notes.